0: This episode of The Incubator is proudly sponsored by Chiesi. Do you find yourself juggling multiple websites and clinical tools as you care for your patients? NeoCarePal is a resource providing access to multiple clinical calculators in just one place. To learn more, visit NICUconnections.com backslash NeoCarePal.
1: This is The Incubator. Hello everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We are at the next symposium. Things are wrapping up here, but we have the pleasure of having on with us, uh, Crystal Grogan. Crystal, how are you? I'm great. Um, you are a parent. We've talked a lot about the importance of families and parents being here at this symposium. And, um, you presented your story on the main stage. Everybody has been, it had, it had a a tremendous impact on everybody in attendance, um, and so we're very thankful for um, you joining us on the podcast today.
2: I'm so grateful for the opportunity.
1: Um, I guess my first question is, how is, important is it for you to have this um this, tribute, this platform here where you can share your story and, and, and have this connection with um, clinicians, other parents and so on?
2: It's, it's a unique opportunity to have. It's one that we don't get a lot as NICU parents, mm-hmm. um, especially within... Um, a space that has such a wide variety of, of individuals in the audience that we don't normally get to sit in front of um, and ones that we only see normally when our children are in the NICU mm-hmm. and that are, um, you know, on their way home.
1: Right, right. You know, especially
2: right. when we're talking about long-term outcomes where, you know, they see us when we're there and then we're out the door and then, you know, that's it. So they mm. really, it's kind of the same for our opportunity. It's the same as them they're getting to see us for the first time um, Mm -hmm. when we're talking about our children and what our children are facing past when they've been in their hands.
0: Will you um, tell us a little bit about your NICU experience? And I think what really stuck with people is um, your candor about some of the challenges that families face outside of the NICU.
2: Sure. So I have kind of a unique um, story So my son was born overseas in Spain. Um, We had a lot of complex diagnoses, one being necrotizing endocolitis. Um, And I think most of of my story is following the NICU. Um, We've kind of gone through different phases where um, you're told when you're discharged that, you know, don't worry by the time they're two, they'll Mm. start making their milestones Um, they're going to catch up to their peers, no one will know, Um, there will be no difference. Mm -hmm. And um, for us, that just, that wasn't the case. Um, Just kind of everything that could go wrong did go wrong, and as he got older, his um, medical complexities got um, a little more complex at every stage. And so we kind of hit different phases, and um, suddenly we hit that two-year mark, and We found ourselves in a spot where we were outgrowing all of our services. We were, um, you know, our therapist clinics were only going up to a certain age. And um, we just, we were too much of everything to fit anywhere within any population in any little, you know, rare disease or chronic disease group. And so... We were just isolated and, and didn't really know what to do. Um, there's really no pathway. And then, so once we got older, we kind of all of a sudden transitioned into um, more of the neurological issues that were happening. And, and that became even a more isolated, secluded um, factor that we dealt with. Because, I mean, even adult mental health isn't talked about in today's society. Um, you know, it's not spoken about... Uh, freely. Right. Um, it's, it's stigmatized. Um, and so having a child that is suddenly being thrown into a psych unit and we're admitted to the psych unit, we, we had no idea what to do. Right. Um, what,
1: what, what was your son's name?
2: My son, not, My son's name is Seth.
1: Seth. And you said you delivered in Spain. We did. Uh, was that like a... Uh, tourist uh, incident or were you you were in Spain?
2: No, my husband at the time was um, stationed in Spain. Fair enough. So we were there for the military.
1: And did you get uh, transferred back to the U.S. at some point or all the care happened? All the care
2: happened there. He was never um, stable enough to be transferred back to the U.S. Right. So yeah. we, we actually were kind of kicked out of the NICU a little early. Our um, neonatologist was the only English-speaking neonatologist that would um, that would work with us.
1: Right. Um, the, I think they're tearing down the yeah. building next yeah, to we, us. <laughs> but uh, so, but uh, this uh, hopefully they're done. Um, how? Um, I'm sorry, Daphne. You.
0: <laughs> well, I, I think what you describe is is unfortunately not an uncommon story for for families. And I wonder how much responsibility we have with families of painting a realistic picture and balancing the potential long-term consequences and, and hope. I, th- I think we struggle with that as a community.
2: Yeah, I think well, I think a big part of it is, is, you know, when you have a child that's fragile, especially one that's really sick or really has complex needs, I think a lot of it is fear of saying the wrong thing mm. or not knowing what to say, um, not wanting to give them false hope, right. but at the same time trying to give them hope that you know things are going to be okay, and even in the worst circumstances that things are going to be okay. Um, and I think a big part of that is just I'm really big on education. If we're educating these parents, if we're giving them some sort of roadmap that's showing what that might look like, yeah, um, and and not saying that everything's going to happen or you have to lay it out as your child. This this you know watch out, this is going to happen. Just a you know some sort of educational pieces that you know are are just available because for us they're wasn't um and i and i see that i see a lot here that that people face especially in the minority um, community that i faced overseas because mm. there i was the minority mm. um and so there wasn't literature in my language there wasn't literature um what an interesting perspective yeah. in general in the u.s and and so of course there but it was it's so here i see the flip side right. and so i fall into that you know i fell into that minority category
0: What do you think, um, along the way, and certainly I think, uh, this kind of vulnerable transition of discharge to home, um, what would have been most useful, uh, for you?
2: I think just having the care team know that we just want someone to listen. Mm. Um, sometimes that's all it is. We want you to lean in and just listen to what our fears are, what our concerns are, um, and just to talk to us because um, a lot of that is just um, you feel like doors are shut or you feel like you can't go to your care team you feel like you're going to ask a dumb question or you feel um, or if you do ask a question and you get the wrong person answering and you feel that they don't want to talk to you you kind of you kind of hold back. So really knowing that your care team cares yeah. mm-hmm. um, and, and is willing to listen and wants to listen, I think is a huge part of um, of having a positive experience. Even if you don't have the answers, even if we don't have that roadmap or the educational pieces, having someone that says, I'm listening to you. This is your child. Tell me about your child. Um, how are you guys doing today?
1: And that's I mean. not hard. It's not. You're, not. you're not outlining something that's very difficult to no. just take the time. And and open up, yeah.
0: One um, other thing that you had described that I think the NICU community is really not familiar with unless you've had personal experiences um, is the challenges of getting their resources truly logistically in the outpatient setting. And I think um, having parents like you help us understand what that looks like Maybe our maybe our anticipatory guidance is, is will be different. Maybe instead of sending to all the subspecialists in the first month of life, we, we will do things a little differently because uh, truthfully, sometimes when I hand off that discharge paperwork, I, I think to myself, how is a family going to do this? And that's not even taking into account. Insurance and the like you said, this vulnerable time between early infancy and then the school system, you know this uh, this place where there's so many lapses in coverage
2: yeah, there's a it was interesting in a session yesterday someone had spoken about, you know, oh, I'm the coordinator that coordinates, I'm the person that talks to your care team and make sure that you're going to the right places and you're talking to the right people. And I sat there and it was just like for most parents. If they were to be asked, "Oh, do you have a coordinator? Do you have a healthcare coordinator who's helping you navigate the system?" Um, the answer is, "Well, I'm the coordinator, <laughs> That's
0: right? I, I'm absolutely. the coordinator as the
2: parent, absolutely." Um, and you know, I think the best advice that I can give parents that don't have that resource at hand is um, some advice I gave last night was: if you have a, a caretaker or a doctor that's not listening that's you. just your gut is telling you mm. something is wrong, you have a feeling that there's just more, and they're not listening, and they're not saying, you know your child best, mm. tell me about your child, then you don't have the right doctor. Mm.
0: Mm. And
2: that's okay, because that's just not the fit for your doc. That's just not your fit for your child. Mm-hmm. And, and that means that you, know, you have, you have a, a network. That's why they call it a, 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 a health network. Yeah. I said, so, so reach out, see who else within your network you can talk to. Some, at some point, you're going to find the right fit. That's going to open up the fit for the other child, for that doctor you didn't fit with, that they're going to fit. And then you're going to find your your people and find your doctor. But that's that's the most common piece of advice I give, I think, right now is,
0: well, then that's, that's not your doctor. Mm. And, and we need to keep looking. I think it's such a good reminder to even us, you know, within the walls of the NICU that parents bring their own, set of expertise to the care that nobody else on the team can bring. That's yeah. so true.
2: That's so true. We're there bedside. You see things that, that you know, we're there... Not 24 7, but sometimes mm-hmm. we are. You are there the most. Um, and, and we're the ones that and see. Consistent. you know. Because
1: the nurse has another patient, sometimes one, sometimes more than mm-hmm. another one. The physicians definitely have more. So the person that has the most dedication to a patient's bedside remains the parents and the family.
2: Yeah, and having a nonverbal child, especially throughout the year, so he's 12 now, um, is I can tell from across the room if his breathing is different. Mm-hmm. I right. can tell if his eyes just don't look right. I can tell if his... You know, behavior is off and or he's walking different. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's what parents forget bedside. Like they need to know they know their baby the best. It's okay to speak up. Um, And for, you know, the care team to know that, you know, the parents are there. They're watching if something um, is happening, they're more than likely going to be the ones that see it first. Yeah, And so it's, it's really just a listening experience, learning how to listen. We spend so much
1: effort and money on detection tools to try to catch things a bit early and we should not dismiss one of the best tools that we have at the bedside.
0: Well, I mean, I love Absolutely. that concept um, that, you know, Parents are an early detection tool, and I I wonder how how do you think we can empower parents? Um, certainly, having access to somebody like you who's been there is probably the best thing we can do. But how can we invite participation? Um, what are the words we have to say to families to to encourage um, their engagement?
2: I think it starts with the bedside team. I think it starts with the simple: if you have a question. There's no wrong questions. There's no bad questions. Um, you can ask me anything you, you want. Um, I, think, I think the most successful NICUs that I've seen have different, you know, handouts when the parents get there that say, you know, here's a little journal, write down any question you have. That way you don't forget it by the time we get back. Mm. But he, please know that you can ask us anything that you want. And, um, And I think another important part of that is if a parent does ask, that the care team is asking if they have any additional questions or if they understand it completely, Mm -hmm. or having them repeat back to them what um, their question was or what the answer to their question was so they know that they they understand completely. So I think a lot of the times we'll ask a question, we'll get a long answer that we're either not prepared to hear or we're... um, Sometimes that the parent's not educated enough to understand, um, and then the parent smiles and nods, and the doctor walks away, and they still have the same question. Yeah. Um, and so, just clarifying that the parent actually understood the question, um, le- like reading that body language with the parent, um, and then you know following up, I think
0: is is a, is a huge piece. It's a great point,
1: Excellent. Crystal. Thank you so much for dropping by.
0: Thanks for having me. I
1: appreciate you sharing your story
0: and yeah. sharing Seth with us. Thank, thank you. you.
1: Thank you for listening to The Incubator. If you like this episode, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or the Apple Podcast website. You can find other episodes of The Incubator and new shows from The Incubator Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, or the podcast app of your choice. We would love to hear from you, so feel free to send us questions, comments, or suggestions to our email address, nicupodcast at gmail.com, or by visiting our website, www.the incubator.org. You can also message the show on Instagram or X, formerly known as Twitter, at NICU podcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.